0: BRIDGE is an acronym for Books Recycled to Instruct, Disciple, Guide, and Educate. We firmly believe that reading is critical for Christians to grow in their faith, and so we strive to make Bibles and Gospel-based Christian books available at very affordable prices. Our purpose is to share the glorious good news of Jesus Christ through written and spoken word. We do this by providing resources and educational opportunities for people to grow in their knowledge of Biblical truth so that they are equipped to share that truth with others.
1: You can visit our website at bridgebookstexas.org where you can find our reformed podcast, Bridge Radio, where we bring on Christian authors, apologists, and scholars such as Dr. James White, Dr. John Frame, Joel Beaky, Jeff Durbin, John Sampson, and Tim Trumpert. You can find Bridge Radio on iTunes, Android, Windows, and Google Play or stream via our website. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. You created my inmost being, you knitted me together in my mother's womb, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Psalms 139 verses 13 through 16 and welcome back to another episode of Bridge Radio coming at you from the great state of Texas. Texas. Proclaiming the gospel fearlessly and faithfully. I'm your host, Julio Mad Rodriguez. As always, you call me July, and Mr. A. W. Varilla is actually not here today. He's uh
0: he's uh, has, I was filling in for him.
1: Yeah, you're filling in for him. Across from me, I got the, the the uh the founder of this beautiful Reformed Christian bookstore and coffee shop, uh Stephen Hartog.
0: What's up, everybody?
1: So the topic today. We're going to be bringing on uh, a director, the director of communications for End Abortion Now. And the topic is on abortion. And I just feel like this is a a very critical topic in our culture today. I mean, you begin to just bring up the topic of abortion. You're going to get all these opinions, all these emotions. Uh, Debate is going to spark. And uh, specifically here, I've, I've just come across Christians... Who are or professing Christians who uh, really take no issue with the topic of abortion? They they take a more pro-choice stance, and I can't really seem to get where that is coming from, especially when you read the scriptures and if you're going to hold to sola scriptura on the word of God. And I know in the past we did have a podcast kind of addressing that uh, in our in our previous podcast. Uh, there was a uh, contributor of the Huffington Post, which that really tells you everything you need to know but uh, her name is Christina Forrester and she said um, uh, likewise throughout the history of the early church into the middle ages there is little to no mention of abortion as a Topic of great alarm from the days of the Old Testament until modern history; hence, there is no case to be made for a definite Christian stance throughout history on the spiritual or moral aspects of abortion. Arguably, three of the most prominent authorities on Christian doctrine and teaching historically would be um, uh, the Apostle Paul, Saint Augustine, and the fifth century, and Saint Thomas Aquinas in the third in thirteenth. 13th- 13th century, uh, and compared to Christian leaders today, these figures are most mostly silent on the topic. And so I, I just really uh, want to talk about not only the topic of abortion, have a biblical worldview coming into this podcast, but also introduce Christians to um, a... Um, a ministry, a group of people and churches that I completely stand by in this fight to abolish abortion in our nation here in America. Um, but anyway, if you're new to this podcast, uh, please subscribe. We're on iTunes, Android, Windows, Google Play. We're currently developing an application for our community and those who are who follow us. That's uh, going to have articles, teachings, videos, etc., uh, etc. Et we'll talk about that later in the last, uh, or in the podcast to come. Uh, but go, please go check out our past podcasts. We, re- we recently finished up a series on the doctrines of grace. We had John Frame, James White, Jeff Durbin, John Sampson, Tim Trumper, and Joel Beekian. Uh, And as well, we recently had Rosaria Butterfield come on and talk about her uh, latest book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And we just have a lot more stuff for you guys to go check out and things to look forward to as well in the future. Um, if you would like to give to our ministry, please visit www.bridgebookstexas.org, hit our about slash giving page, and you can find more uh, information about us through our website and also support uh, a ministry that is dedicated to proclaiming the gospel and teaching and discipling Christians. Um, and recently, we actually got an email, Steve. Yeah. yeah you want me to bring this up? Let's, let's read it. Yeah, let's go ahead and read it. Um, This is from – oh, actually, let me just start. I don't want to say where it's from because he addresses that here. But he says, Hi, I want to thank you for the podcast. It has been a real blessing as I continue to grow while I have been around church for most of my life. I grew up in the Catholic Church and then followed my parents into the charismatic movement, and from there I went into Pentecostal churches with some influence from the prosperity gospel before I found myself in a Reformed church. This has been a huge journey spiritually and I am grateful to God's sovereign hand for my life. I am listening from Perth, Australia where I now live with my family. I have enjoyed sharing some of your podcasts with friends and of the subsequent discussions that have followed. Uh, I really enjoy the podcast on church membership with Joel Webben, but I think you need to up to keep the both versions of it up, uh, since there was subject, though, since there was uh, just some topics that weren't discussed on the new upload of that. But he says, please keep up the great work. I love the deep topics uh, that are handled uh, that are handled in a way that allows uh, us all to be able to listen and be encouraged. Thank. Uh, thanks, and God bless, Tim. That's awesome. Yeah, perfect. we got Australia. at least two people
0: from Australia now, right?
1: Yeah. Well, it looks like from the emails we got, there's like a little following that's cool. in Perth, Australia of a group of people, at least maybe within a church, that are listening to our podcast consistently. So,
0: And just to clarify what he was talking about there with regards to both podcasts, we had one that uh, had some audio issues, so that's why we took that one down, right?
1: Yeah, but... I don't know, maybe we'll upload it back
0: maybe, up. Yeah, maybe yeah. we should just put it back up if yeah. somebody wants to listen to it. It's kind of tough in some places. but
1: Yeah, Joel, we just could barely make up what he was even saying. <laughs> anyway, guys, yeah, so let's go ahead and, and, and jump into uh, into the topic. I'm really excited to bring on the brother uh, that we have on here today. Um, he's the Director of Communications of for End Abortion Now, a gospel-centered movement of local Christian churches committed to fight against abortion. Uh, He also produces content for the video series This Is Why and This Is Your Baby platforms, uh, one of which highlights the necessity of biblical reform within the pro-life movement, while the others focus on the wonder of God's creative majesty in the womb. He's also the deacon of Apologia Church when he's not ministering outside of his local abortion clinic alongside with members of Apologia. He is spending time with his wife, Taryn, and their two children ezekiel and lydia thank you so much brother for coming on to the program thanks
2: for having me guys it's really a privilege man
0: yeah we appreciate you taking the time zach
1: yeah so um right off the back you you you, right off the bat not back right (laughs) off the bat i usually (laughs) like to ask this question since we we're from texas and you're from phoenix um Uh i like to do a a temperature Hmm. competition do you know how hot it is over there in phoenix right now y'all are in the valley of the sun
2: Oh man, at this moment it's it's almost like you just stop keeping track once it clears one ten. Yeah, once once it's over one ten, it it's just all all hot at that time. And yeah. any step that you take outside is just is just brutal. But it's actually monsoon season here too, mm. which we get a little bit of rain and then the next day it's not only hot but super humid too.
1: Oh, so yeah. and that-
2: I, I, I I can't complain when, when God decides to water his desert, though.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's the worst. When you have that combination of, like, heat and humidity,
0: I mean, that's, oh, oh man. You walk outside in the morning here, and the humidity is, like, 80%, and it's, like, yeah, degrees, yeah, Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I've been to
2: Texas a couple times, and I've, I've felt what you guys are speaking of, and it is... I, I, let's just
1: say I prefer dry heat.
0: <laughs> oh, <yeah>. oh, completely. <laughs> There's a big difference. It really is. Huge difference. Yeah,
1: so anyway, uh, uh, Zach, let's go ahead and, and jump into it. Um, uh, End Abortion Now, can you uh, just tell us a little bit about you know what, what End Abortion Now represents? Is it an organization? Um, and just kind of unpack, unpack that for us as we just dive into this topic. Yeah,
2: absolutely. So End Abortion Now... Um, is a movement, really, of local Christian churches across the Mm -hmm. nation, but also now globally, too, that are somewhat united under this one uh, banner, this rally cry, if you will, of of ending abortion. Mm -hmm. Um, It is an explicitly Christian movement, and so Mm -hmm. it uh, differs very much from the common pro-life movement in the direction that that's been going for over the last four decades. So we are explicitly Christian and that Mm -hmm. we're standing on the Word of God and the principles of Scripture as the foundation of our prophetic voice into the culture. So so someone might hear that and say, well, what in the world does that mean? Do we still have prophets now? Are you claiming to be a prophet? (laughs) Well, no, the the prophetic voice into the culture simply just means, um, you know, Christians have believed for hundreds of years, tracing all the way back to the the time of the Apostles and before in the Old Testament, Mm -hmm. that nations were in covenant with God, that Mm -hmm. they were... Mm -hmm. um, you know, under his law, under his rule, under his authority. Jesus right. has all authority in heaven and on earth and mm. over nations. So they were covenanted to Christ and their laws. That's, you know, the, for the founding of the United States. That's, you know, the, the people that came over here on the Mayflower, um, you know, the, the Mayflower Compact, all of those things, even like our original documents, speak to this reality that, um, you know, we're in covenant with God as a nation. And this sin um, abortion, the murder of unborn children, is actually something that is um a high definition sign to god if you will that we Mm -hmm. have broken that covenant with god Mm -hmm. and so part of the role of a prophet is not just to tell the future as it was um you know in the old testament coming from the messiah that was the ministry of of the prophet but also it is to remind the nation of their covenant to their god Mm -hmm. and call them back into obedience with that so that's all all we mean when we say we're standing on Scripture as, as the foundation of our prophetic voice into the culture. So Hand Abortion Now really is just a ministry of Apologia mm-hmm. Church. Um, the Red Door Ministry is just what we call our local group here in Arizona okay. um, that goes out to the local abortion clinics. And by doing that ministry, I've been doing it for about three years now, um, and it was even around before I got to the church, but I ended up taking it over, and now we have dedicated teams that are going out to the clinics about six days a week now. So, and that's just with our local abortion clinic. So, as a result of doing this kind of ministry, you know we've seen um, at least a hundred children saved locally as a result of wow. of bringing 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 the gospel, preaching the gospel offering help to these families, mothers and fathers going in uh, coming out of these places. And then, as a result of us just talking about it through media, social media, online, now we have uh, about two hundred and fifty local churches that are partnered with us Whoa. in this work mm-hmm. in the United States that are doing this exact kind of work, bringing mm-hmm. the gospel into this specific area. And we have the privilege of being able to equip them with materials, with training, mm-hmm. to go and do this same kind of work
0: right. that we
2: are doing that we're doing now. So praise God, He's allowed the ministry to have such, a global reach now mm. now um you know nations from from ireland yep. australia canada all of these you know uh nations are, are getting on board with having a united christian front and really um th- that's the distinguishing aspect yeah. of of end abortion now is we're christian we're unashamedly um principled under the scriptures that we believe is our foundation for our mm. fight and sadly that is where uh, I believe, we believe that the pro-life movement largely has uh, steered away from mm-hmm. over its past four decades and yeah. their strategy and their approach to fight this great evil and injustice of our time. So that, I guess, is what would set us apart in that sense from mm-hmm. the mainstream pro-life movement.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah but before we really address the the era of the current pro-life movement, I, I really wanted. to talk about, or for you to at least talk about a little bit about the really impact that you guys have had. I know I was seeing on social media that, I mean, you guys were being recognized by like CNN. Uh, you guys got banned, some of y'all's media content from Ireland, I believe. Is that That's true, right?
2: Yeah, it's actually because Ireland just had their, their referendum, and unfortunately they, they voted to repeal
1: mm-hmm. the
3: Eighth
2: Amendment, which equalizes the life of the mother and the life of the child, essentially criminalizing abortion. It was a 14-year prison sentence, and they um, wouldn't let us pay to advertise our content so that we could uh, release a documentary that we made to the nation of ireland because they didn't want the vote being upset or influenced so so yeah so yeah we've had our content banned before we've had it you know removed we've been thrown in facebook prison once or twice (laughs) um you know for what we've done but you know such is the nature of what this is it just to it's just a testament to Um, how prevalent it is in the culture right now, and how much the other side is attempting to silence any opposition Mm -hmm. to it. And that's really what it comes down to, is it's an issue of, um, at at its core, shame, sin, rebellion against God, Mm -hmm. and um, a shameful sinner has to eliminate any dissension, because they don't want to be reminded about Mm. the truth of what they know. And Mm so, I mean, that's yeah. really, yeah, I mean, yeah, we've been banned online, and, and so we're, we're, we just take it and, and keep going, because <laughs> we know that, you know, praise God, it's, it's having an impact.
1: Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. And so, I, I wanted to touch on, on the pro-life movement right now, because I think some might listen to what you're saying, and they're saying, oh, I'm a Christian, too. I have, you know, I, I have Christian principles, um, I consider myself pro-life, Um you talked about right now the the errors over time that the pro life movement has has gone in, and I think mm-hmm. when I really heard it from you guys at first, I said, "Wow, that really makes a lot of sense." Can you can you talk about that for a minute of just the error of the pro life movement and where it's been going here in our country, um, you know, and, and it not really being pr- a Christian principle based? Uh, yeah, if you could just yeah. talk about that.
2: Yeah, it's such an important question, it really is, and really. It has to start with me. It has to start with myself. It has to start with the church at large and um confessing our abdication of just the gospel proclamation in general, but also specifically to this area and removing the word of God from the public realm of speaking into this area. And that's really what the pro life movement in large has done. But mm-hmm. I mean, even for myself, I, I consider myself to be pro life even from the right. beginning of my Christian walk, even though I wasn't doing anything about it. I, I, I was I was pro-life in my head, and my heart, in my ears. I knew it was wrong. I knew it. Mm-hmm. But the the command of Scripture in Proverbs twenty four eleven is to rescue those being led away to death, hold back those stumbling towards the slaughter. Mm. And the next part of that is in, incredibly important. It says, if you say, we did not know, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does mm. yeah. not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? So that warning actually goes to believers.
3: Yeah. That,
2: that That's a passage that speaks to believers that say, okay, if you say that you know and you haven't done anything, will he who weighs your heart and knows your thoughts and knows everything there is about you, who's, who's intimately familiar with you, that scripture that you read, Psalm mm-hmm. 139, yeah. at the beginning, God's intimately acquainted with every thought that we have. He, he was there from the beginning. He formed us in all of our mother's wombs. He knows everything. He sets his authoritative hand on us from the
3: womb, right
2: All of our all of the purposes and plans of our lives are mapped out for us before we even take a breath.. Mm-hmm. And so the pro-life movement in general has failed, um, you know now that we've gotten that out there in terms of admitting our own faults. um the mm-hmm. pro-life movement has failed in that it's failed to be fundamentally Christian. Mm-hmm. It has opted instead to remove using scriptural language, using biblical language, in an attempt to be more um included in this discussion in the yeah. public sphere yeah. so that comes with um approaching this from a humanistic perspective abandoning a biblical approach of how we see men and women are they sinners before god are they are they guilty of of something um are they just victims and that's how the pro-life movement has painted women who get abortions as unwitting victims We interviewed um carol tobias um she's the president of national right to life and she's on record saying that uh, women that get abortions are just as much victims as their children um that they kill
3: so Mm -hmm.
2: the pro-life movement has really approached this from an unbiblical um view of man if you will we know from scripture that all of us know god um knowledge of him is inescapable according to romans one. That all of us have the work of God's law written on our consciences, Romans chapter 2. Correct. And what we do with that knowledge is that we suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And we know, because our consciences testify to us, um, God's law and the demands that it makes upon us, even if we've never heard the commandment, Thou shalt not murder, or yeah. heard the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Those are things that we already have um you know placed within us Mm
3: -hmm. so that's
2: one that's one area um that the pro-life movement has failed Mm -hmm. is that they have they've decidedly um chosen to paint this um in terms of a woman being a victim and that makes it very difficult to introduce any kind of legislation Mm -hmm. that would ultimately criminalize abortion because Mm -hmm. if the woman's a victim then she's not guilty of anything
3: Right. right and
2: so So legislatively, that's how it works, but then there's also the aspect of how um, they have failed fundamentally in their strategy um, in their approach with their pragmatism. And what I mean by that is the approach has been not to uh, criminalize abortion outright, not to use the gospel to change hearts and minds, but rather to try and educate people into believing that this is a human being in the womb, even though we all know that. Mm-hmm. There's more information, there's more technology to tell us that than ever before, and it only testifies and buttresses the truth of the Word of God, so you come across women like we do outside a local abortion clinic um they're not disagreeing with you that it's a human being. Yeah. They tell us very plainly, yeah, I know it's a human being i have had many young women tell me uh there's no doubt in my mind it's a human being, I should wow. still have the right the right to kill my baby,
3: hmm.
2: so they're not denying these things, so the Part of the approach has been on the side of the pro-life movement is to somehow educate people who already know the truth. And um, this is even more central to the discussion in terms of how they're going to end it. Their plan has been to (laughs) overturn Roe versus Wade. So that is the opinion of the Supreme Court um, from 1973. That was uttered based on false premises, uh, namely that the unborn child in the womb is potential human life, which mm-hmm. is false. Um, it is a human being from the moment of conception. All the biological components are there from the moment of conception. That's what God's word says, and that's what biological science tells us.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, so they have tried to essentially vote conservative Supreme Court justices onto the bench that will overturn Roe versus Wade. And at the same time that they do this, they've tried to introduce what's called piecemeal legislation or regulate abortion out of existence yes. by uh, chipping away or, or gnawing at the edges of abortion. So cleaner clinics, um, wider hallways, parental consents, um, heartbeat, um, pain-capable acts, partial birth abortion, all of those are examples of trying to regulate abortion out of existence rather than just flat-out criminalizing it. And their motivation for doing so is they've accepted this false premise that somehow the Supreme Court um, can determine or uh, legislate and they can't. So
3: yeah.
2: not only is it inconsistent with um, scripture and ultimately what we believe is to be ultimately effective in ending abortion, it's also inconsistent with the way our nation was founded and set up. The only body of government with the authority to legislate is Congress. Hmm. And there, Roe versus Wade is not a law, I'll just say that. It's not a law. And it needs to be ignored and um, treated for what it is, Mm -hmm. an unjust opinion of a tyrannical court that has sentenced 60 million dead babies to death Mm -hmm. over the last 40 years. Wow. And so we we can't even quantify that. There's no way to to visualize that. It's just absolutely horrible. And so 60 million dead children is not a success Mm -hmm. on the part of the pro-life movement. It is a monumental (laughs) failure.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, and so that's why the uh, the gospel really needs to be front and center in this whole issue. Is that correct? Because first we need to understand the the uh, the the bad news before the good news makes any difference. You know, we need to understand the spiritual dimension that we are sinners in need of a savior and uh, mm-hmm. the salvation that we is that is found in Jesus Christ. And not only from the potential. Uh, person who is who's looking at having an abortion but also as Christians that whole gospel message, message should transform us to be people who will uh, who whose lives are are different and who will do whatever we need to do in order to end this this uh, blight on our society is that correct
2: Yeah you you said it man I think that's a very succinct way of putting it, and it and it flies in the face of a lot of what pro-life counseling is trying to do to help women, and that's not to say these people don't mean well. They, re- they really do mean well, and sure. they want to help these women. However, what they're trying to do is they're trying to counsel unregenerate hearts mm-hmm. to live like Christians,
3: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and and you can't do that, because... Yeah. The the Bible is very clear, the mind set on the flesh is hostile to God, it does not submit to God's law, it is not even able to do so. Those Mm. who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God, Romans chapter 8, verse 7. So, we we have to understand, as you said, I mean, very well put, man, it it is a gospel issue. It is is. um, an issue motivated by the proclamation of repentance and faith in Jesus because abortion is a violation of God's law, God says you shall not murder. Human beings are made in the image of God um, from that moment of conception. And so to unlawfully take the life of another human being, um, premeditated, malice of forethought, is murder mm-hmm. and we must we we must use biblical
1: language mm-hmm. when yes. we talk
2: about it in that way
1: yeah absolutely yeah. people people get really upset when you use terminology like murder uh you know it really right. it really gets them going it really gets the emotions stirring um but before I, I did i did want to met um for at least for you to address this and it was what i quoted at the very beginning of the program uh we had this mm-hmm. individual christina forrester and she's saying you know in the bible in church history, you know, there's no mention, no case, mostly silent when it comes to the Apostle Paul, or St. Augustine and Thomas Aquinas. I mean, we even that in itself, we're not Rome, so we wouldn't categorize that. But it, it, what, what would your response be um, with the no mention, no case, no, you know, mostly silent when it comes to just the Bible?
2: Well, I, I would probably say you, you should probably read it. Because, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so if you haven't found anything, I would I would assume to say it's it's uh, because you haven't read it, um, or um, being an unbeliever dramatically impacts your ability to read the Bible. Mm. Um, so so I would I would say first and foremost, I mean just looking at the verse that you quoted, I mean right. If you look at the, if you look at the original language, um, your eyes saw my unformed substance. The mm-hmm. Hebrew in that is Golmi and it literally is where we get the term uh, embryo mm-hmm. from. So, your eyes saw my unformed embryo. You saw me, Lord, at the most rudimentary stages of my development in the womb because you were there. Mm -hmm. You were the one that formed me. So, that's number one. God's the creator of all life. He was there. Uh, Number two, even in God's uh, law, so thou shalt not murder, um, that's obviously in the Ten Commandments. But also, and this is the really interesting part, because I had someone, um, I think surprisingly... Uh, not well. Not really. Surprisingly, that wrote for Huffington Post, trying to twist Exodus twenty-one, <laughs> verse twenty-two. Yes. So, so yeah. listen to this: When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined, as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if there is harm, then you shall pay mm. life for life. So, if a child. Is harmed in the womb if they die as a result of two men striving. According to God's case law, uh-huh. you shall pay life for life. And even our own, um, you know, legislative processes, our laws, say reflect this, right? If a uh-huh. pregnant woman dies, um, it, you know, gets killed, um, and she's with child, then it's double homicide, right? Yes. So, so even our own laws reflect this today. Um, yeah. And it, it's amazing. I had someone try to use this verse to read back into the text an idea of bodily autonomy saying that the unborn child was a woman's property. <laughs> wow. So so, so the argument that they tried to make was, well, it, um, it's a woman's property. Um, so, But here's the problem with that. <laughs> God doesn't uh, command capital punishment for theft. He commands it for murder. Huh. So that interpretation is just absolutely fallacious, mm, yeah. um, according to the text. And then just to give you an example, I mean, uh, in terms of... Where child sacrifice has existed in Scripture, it's all throughout the Bible. If you look at Leviticus chapter 18, it is a sin that God drives out nations Mm. for. He actually expels them from their lands for committing child sacrifice. The nation of Israel offering their sons and daughters to the false god Moloch, uh, burning their children alive in there in order to gain some type of favor from idols and false gods,
3: mm-hmm. if
2: you look at, and this one is particularly powerful, if you look at Amos chapter 1, verse 15, um, let me read it to you because it's so powerful
3: Sure.
2: when you see it. Um, actually, verse 13, so, thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of the Ammonites, and for four, I will not revoke the punishment, because they have ripped open pregnant women in Gilead, that they might enlarge their border, so I will kindle a fire in the wall of Rabbah, and it shall devour her strongholds with shouting on the day of battle.
3: Mm.
2: So, so much for the Bible saying nothing yeah. about unborn children in the womb. Yeah. And then you have over 2,000 years of church history. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you look at the Apostle Paul in and, and Galatians, talk about pharmakia, the, the Greek word for what isn't a fruit of the Spirit in the early church during that time and even um you know around that time the early church was fighting vehemently against abortion Mm -hmm. and they were fighting it based on pharmaceutical drugs that would induce miscarriage Mm. within women which which we have now so and then in the early history of the united states you have you know christian pastors and 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 politicians uniting together to fight against abortion and i mean uh, but before god you guys have to go and check this out um even the new york times started as one of the most powerful pro life movements that we've ever had
1: hmm. <laughs> wow what a so, change <laughs> so,
2: so so yeah we, we, obviously you can see we we've, we've fallen far from that so just to say that, that that the bible doesn't speak to this issue or has nothing to say about it is mm-hmm. is just flat out ignorant and, and dishonest.
0: Well, and to uh, to say that the in the early church there's no historical evidence that the early church was against it is just patently false yeah. too. I mean it we is. have we have evidence uh, we have a lot of evidence actually that early church fathers condemned it, like uh, John Chrysostom in the D to K, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, condemned, um, Basil, Augustine spoke extensively of it. So, yeah. so to say that the early church didn't really talk about that issue, it's they just, did. it's just false.
1: Yeah. Whichever All way right, you want to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pick your poison. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Zach, so in abortion now has clear, uh, has actually five, uh, it has a five part message that's clear and consistent. Can you unpack those for us, please?
2: yeah absolutely so i mean the, the the first one abortion is murder essentially when we're saying that it's just tell the truth tell the truth about what abortion is mm-hmm. because so much of obfuscation right now by the other side is taking place on a national scale right abortion is a choice it's health care it's reproductive rights it's reproductive freedom no god calls it murder and no amount of obfuscation via euphemism is going to change that truth So you can call a baby a fetus, Mm -hmm. um, you can call them a product of conception, you can say that what you're doing is terminating a pregnancy, but I prefer we just call it what it is. And Christians, if we're going to be effective in uh, ending this, especially in terms of a legislative standpoint, we have to tell the truth. Mm -hmm. And when when we're making that statement, by the way, abortion is murder, what are we assuming? We're assuming a Christian worldview. We're assuming that there is a God, He's created life, all of us are made in His image, and to violate that life violates His holy law.
3: Huh. So,
2: so it's important that we realize that, you know, we're, we're Christians, we want to approach this from Scripture, um, we're the only worldview licensed to make that kind of a, a bold claim. Mm-hmm. Because God has spoken yeah. clearly on this issue. And um, you know that's why many would look at us and say, "Well, you're not going to make a lot of friends <laughs> with that kind of language. You're not going to make a lot of allies yeah. with that." And and to tell you the truth, we're more concerned about being faithful to God mm-hmm. yeah, um, than at the uh, we we don't want to be unified at the expense of compromising truth. Right. Yeah. So that's that's really what it comes down to. So. We're assuming a worldview when we say abortion is murder, and we're assuming the Christian one. Mm-hmm. The unbeliever has their worldview, and neither side is supposed to play neutral in that. So we're making fundamental statements about reality when we make a when we make a statement like that. You know, human beings are not um cosmic accidents; mm-hmm. they're made in the image of God, so it's again, again, it's a Christian worldview. So abortion is murder. That's the, that's the first one. Abortion is also an issue of national sin. And this is really, uh, the verses I read to you, including the one in Amos, highlight this perfectly. Mm. That abortion is not something that God just holds individuals accountable for. He holds nations accountable for. Mm. So we believe that what we're doing in our work to speak prophetically into the culture, to call them to turn away from this, to call them to uphold justice, for these fatherless children, is actually doing something It's actually abating the judgment of God. Mm. So God has every right to judge our nation for the way that we've sinned against mm-hmm. Him, what we continue to do, you know, I mean, take your pick with all the, all the perversions. I mean, you have uh, the, the profanation of marriage, you have the assault on gender, you have the assault on the family. Um, yep. All of these things, we deserve judgment from God. That, that, that's what our nation deserves and they violated their covenants so part of our prophetic witness is to um essentially give god a reason not to destroy us by standing in the gap and and pleading of course pleading with mothers and fathers not to do this and offering help and supplying their needs and giving them tangible resources but also uh interposing on behalf of preborn children to our magistrates so speaking to the magistrates and calling them and telling them you your position has been ordained by god Hmm. and you are accountable to him you are god's deacon. you are his minister of justice that's what Hmm. the bible says about you you're not answerable to another god and you're certainly not answerable to yourself
3: Hmm.
2: you are answerable to god he has put you in this position and he's going to hold you accountable Hmm. for the way that you rule as a magistrate so we call them to obey God's law, and yeah, I mean, you guys know this. If you listen, you know to apology, one of our favorite psalms is Psalm chapter two, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. God speaks in a warning to the kings of the earth. He says, "Now, therefore, O kings, be wise." Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling.
3: Mm. Kiss
2: the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, mm. for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him.
3: Mm. Huh.
2: So um, abortion yep. is an issue of national sin. It is a gospel issue because it's a violation of God's uh, holy law. Um, and really, if I could just spend a minute on this. sure. Um, it, it's a gospel issue. It's a violation of God's law. And um, just to give you an illustration uh, of this, the reason why it's a gospel issue, I had a young man outside the clinic a few weeks ago. Um, His girlfriend was inside getting an abortion. She was 15 weeks pregnant. 15 weeks pregnant. And I pled with this young man to uh, rescue, essentially, his child, to go back in there to get his his girlfriend out, and that we would help them. We would give them whatever we could to Mm -hmm. supply them with. I preached the gospel to him for about 30 minutes. Hmm and he would not uh remove himself from the car to go back inside Hmm. and get her out and why is that well the gospel what 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 god does in the proclamation of the gospel and the empowering of his word by his spirit is he enforces compliance to the law of god by the empowering of the spirit and the raising to life of the dead sinner to new life in Hmm. jesus yeah that is something that is not there without the gospel, right. because uh, the gospel, God just doesn't uh, proclaim forgiveness of sins, forgiveness of eternal life and salvation, and you know, uh, joining his, his kingdom, because he's ruling and reigning, and his, he has all authority. What God does in the gospel is he also gives us the ability to love his standards, to love his statutes, and to do what we ought to do because of the way that he made us. He made us as men and women, male and female, and he calls men to be protectors and provisionaries for their families to protect the innocent and those who need him and he calls women to uh be mothers and to preserve life and to conserve life and to nurture life.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So um all of these things um that's why the gospel yep. is central to this because man cannot obey God um without the word of God finding its place in the heart of the dead sinner sure. and raising them to new life. Sure. So that's the third point um and then and then um we will help mothers and fathers we will provide for their needs um we'll help people find jobs we'll give them diapers we'll give them formula um we will do whatever is within our power to get them to turn from that place uh, we will pour resources um, any that we have financial resources to help them but anything that will deter them from the, that place, um, you know, having their child killed, we will we will offer whatever we can deliver on.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so, and then the, the the last aspect is we want justice for these children. We want um, the murder of unborn children to be treated like the murder um, of a born person, a person walking around. We want consistency in our application of justice. Um, God is clear about human beings made in His image. He has determined the just statute for murder, and who are we to change that? Mm-hmm. His his law is unchanging. Um, his standards are true because his character is unchanging, and his character is true. Mm-hmm. So,
3: those
2: are the those are the uh, the points of end abortion now.
0: And I think number just going back to number four, uh, Zach, with regards to uh, to. Uh, helping to take care of of those children um when they are born you know either through uh through adoption also or or foster care or other just physical ways financially helping to take care of. i think that's one of the ways that the church has really fallen down on the job and it's something that we really need to Take seriously as mm-hmm. followers of Christ. What does that mean for us to take care of the least among us? And uh, so, yes. it's we we really need to re-examine our culpability in that arena.
2: Yeah, absolutely, brother. And that's why the local church is so important yes. to this yes. fight. You, you must operate within the authority and accountability of a local church mm. to work because you need the people of God. You need the people of God. You need. The resources of the people of god you need the encouragement of god's people you need people to stand beside you beside you as you go and engage in this ministry this ministry is
3: hard sure
2: it's tough <laughs> it's ugly it and it's difficult so it's you, you need the local church and you, you said it whether it's adoption um whether it's tangible resources um we need to love the least of these we need to care for our unborn neighbor in more mm. than just word we need to be there indeed as the hands and feet of jesus ready to serve these mothers and fathers and families. And we, we have done that here to the best of our ability. Um, Mm -hmm. and now local churches all across the country, um, are are doing the same thing Mm -hmm. now. So, so praise God for that, that God is doing a work and he's doing a reformation within the life of his people and his body at the local level. Um, and I mean, even across the water uh, in our, in different
3: nations.
0: So it's amazing. And that's what I really love about this ministry is that it's a coalition of individual mm-hmm. churches around the country, yeah. around the world, you know. Yeah. It's not just you guys out there by yourself, but you are collaborating with other, with other churches, yeah. working together for that same goal, equipping each other. So yeah. that's great. It's, it's,
2: yep, and, none, and none of us owns End Abortion Now. End sure. Abortion Now is really just a catch cry, and it's a banner that each church takes and they run with it and they mm. make it their own like a, a church that we have in michigan they've saved 60 children hmm. from death in wow. the last year and they are out there from the time that place is open to the time that place is closed
3: wow. <laughs> and
2: they have made it a full-time occupation to be about the business of serving these mothers and wow. fathers um and you know that, that's just one example there's another church in tennessee a, a good brother there has seen 160 children saved in the last mm. year Wow. So God is saving lives. Um, He's caring for people through His body, and it's just amazing that He allows us to be a part of it in in such a small way, and in equipping these churches and helping and being a support for them. And that's what it's. That's really what it's what what it comes down to.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. Awesome. Right, right. Uh, you were just speaking about how difficult it is to be out there at the abortion mills pleading with the lives of, of mothers to, to not murder their children, and, and even in, in that sense you also have objections coming your way from the, the mm-hmm. pro-choice movement. Um, I really wanted to go through some common objections that I hear that you're going to hear out in the abortion ministry, and, and really, whenever you really start to get to the nitty-gritty, the logic of the pro-choice movement, you'll find a lot of inconsistency, mental mm-hmm. Gymnastics, um, and and the list could go on. And so, I really just wanted to to kind of go through maybe some sort of objections here. And and one being, which I commonly hear, is, "Hey, well, don't you know that abortion is legal here in the United States?" Uh, I'm sure you've heard that one. What would your response be to that?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, along the lines of a response, what I would say before answering that is, is surprisingly, the most opposition that uh, Christians get from engaging in this ministry surprisingly comes from other professing christians Uh not not just from those who are pro-choice so you have to be ready for those for those objections as well but in terms of um answering that well um abortion is legal well we'll, all right well so is slavery so slavery was once also legal Uh did that make it moral Hmm. and so if we lived in a society today where people determined that um you know, uh, pedophilia, child molestation was a legal thing. Would that make it moral? Right. And of course, and of course, the, the inconsistency is apparent right there. And it's actually frightening that I even have to use that example because <laughs> my friends, that's that might not be too far off us hmm. in our yeah. nation. Yeah. I mean, if you've been if you've been watching the news lately, the, the yeah. TED so, talks, it's crazy. Right. Exactly. Right. So, so I would say um, legality does not equal morality. Right. So it, it mm. was once. Illegal to to enslave black people, um, you know, people of color, um, but that didn't make it moral, and it's not what God requires right. in His law um, that how we're to treat His image bearers.
1: Yep. Yes. 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 What about the rape and incest argument? Well, you know, my, you know, there's a lot of women who um, who are raped and they're bearing you know, children, why, why would you ever, you know, let them bear that throughout the process, you know, of, of nine months and, and give birth to the, to a child? Um, that's hard. Um, mm-hmm. Zach?
2: You're highlighting on something really important here, mm-hmm. and these arguments, rape, incest, and and one of the, the favorites of the protest movement is life of the mother. Mm-hmm. What if the life of the mother is, is endangered, right? Mm-hmm. And what Christians have unfortunately done they've allowed pro-choice advocates to use arguments like these to pull at their emotional heartstrings. Because we get it as yeah. Christians. We understand the value of life. That's who we are. That's who our God is. He made all of us, and so we get what it means to be made in the image of God. And so well, we start to panic, and we say, well, that you know, they might have a point there, but they don't. Because if I were to ask someone, okay, well, abortion in cases of rape, that's what you're advocating mm-hmm. for, right? If, if a woman is raped, um, she should be able to have an abortion. Okay. Well, the question that we like to ask is, well, what's what's wrong with rape? Yeah. And usually you get usually you get a pause of some kind, mm-hmm. or or a look of just <laughs> utter shock and yeah. disbelief. Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. Well. well <laughs> What are you talking about? Yeah. Is, and I'll say, well, isn't it obvious? You're not supposed to violate another person's body. Um, mm. You're not supposed to take liberties with their body <laughs> that you ought not to take.
3: <laughs> right. Yeah. And
2: so, very quickly, the, the lights come on, and you start to see. I mean, I've even had some people beat me to it, and they mm. say, "Oh, you're you're saying because yeah. I I object to people doing things with people's body." I have to. Yeah, I said yes, absolutely. If you're going <laughs> to be consistent. Yes. So it, it's it's important to realize um, also, uh, just statistically speaking, that rape incest. And life of the mother account for less than two percent of all Mm, abortions right so the vast majority of abortion is abortion on demand an elective abortion and abortion for the sake of convenience so um in terms of um rape that's how um that gets dealt with i don't believe that we should punish children in the womb for the crimes of their fathers
3: Mm, i don't believe
2: i don't believe that a child should get capital punishment because their father was a criminal
3: yes
2: so Mm. Um, and that's interesting because that's usually another objection you hear. Well, how are you pro-life and pro-capital punishment? Well, you believe in the death penalty. Also, I believe that the criminal should get it. You just believe that the victim should get it.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly.
3: Yes.
2: So, so that, that so that's how you deal with that. Um, yeah. Now, in terms of incest, I mean, if anyone's known products of incestuous relationships, you know, um, people, human beings, men and women, uh, they don't wish they don't wish that they were dead. So, and in terms of um, life of the mother, this is perhaps the most emotional, um, emotionally-laden heart-string-pulling one. Um, it's actually interesting you bring this up in Ireland. Um, this is something that the pro-choice movement used recently with a woman who died from a medical complication due to an, uh, an infection while she was pregnant. Hmm. And the Irish pro-choice media ran wild with that and said, see, if abortion was legal, she wouldn't have died. Hmm and so they use this to pull on the heartstrings of everybody and to change the national conversation and to get things moving Mm -hmm. but um when a woman if that were to be the case which again the vast majority of abortions are elective nearly Mm -hmm. all of them again less than two percent and even less for life of the mother um, at that point the doctor that's treating that woman has two patients Mm -hmm. they have two patients a mother and a child Mm -hmm. and their job is to preserve the most life possible and to save whatever life that they can which is vastly different from abortion and the intentional killing of a human being so so that i mean that's how you deal with with those kinds of objections really we have to think them through from the bottom and then just demonstrate um, the inconsistency and, and and go from there. I mean, those are the most common, the ones that you threw out, but right. um, that's how I would respond
0: Okay. Those. Zach, as we got close to wrapping up here, can you just uh, take a moment to address the mothers uh, who may be listening, who are even considering an abortion now? And uh, maybe also those who have gone through an abortion, can you, uh, can you talk to them a little bit and, and and finish up by sharing the gospel?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's so important. Um, what I would say to either mothers who are considering um, this terrible sin or have have done it, already have this in their past, I would want them to know Jesus, hmm. first and foremost. I want them to hear the truth that it is murder, that God will see them as a murderer, um or if they've done it um and they don't know jesus um here here's the thing abortion is a symptom it's a symptom of a a sinful heart um and it's not just this area Mm -hmm. that needs to be turned over to god it's an entire sinful life that needs to turn and be reconciled to god that's that's what we're talking about so it's not just the singling out of this one thing and yes this one thing is a desperately wicked sin and it is terrible But it is indicative of a heart that is set against God Mm -hmm. that needs Jesus, that needs to be forgiven and needs his forgiveness so that uh, guilt and shame are cleansed and washed away and dealt with. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say, uh, number one, uh, it it is murder. It is a violation of God's law. Um, But Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Hmm. Jesus is God come in the flesh. He lived righteously. He lived the life that you and I have failed to live. Hmm. That's both of us. That's all of us outside of God. There's none righteous. No, not one. None who understand and none who seek for God. He died the death that we deserve to die on that cross, Mm -hmm. on a bloody Roman cross. And he became the execution for sinners. And what abortion is is an attempt at false atonement. Mm-hmm. It is the attempt to propitiate the wrath of God by the sacrifice of your own child.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It is it is a works righteous gospel that will not save anyone. It is not good news. It will destroy you. Mm-hmm. It will destroy you, um, young lady, and it will destroy the life of your child. It will rob you of the joy of motherhood, Um, but what jesus does when he dies and he rises again is he calls you as the reigning king of the universe to turn from your sin to repent of your sin and to come to him for life peace with god reconciliation i promise that when you do that he will wash away your guilt he will take away your shame he will cover it in his blood and he will see you um with a dazzling white robe on that he gives you, mm-hmm. covered in the righteousness of his son, spotless, blameless, but you got to come.
0: Amen. You yes. have to
2: confess your sin, you have to turn from your sin, and you will find him to be a perfect savior, and I want you to come to know him as king, as lord of your life, because so many women go into this sin trying to justify it as a self-sacrificial act. It is not. Mm-hmm. It is not Mm self-sacrificial. It is not unselfish. It is a selfish act. Mm -hmm. And you have deceived yourself. You have lied to yourself about what you have done. You have violated the law of God and trampled His grace if you believe that you can do this and that God's going to forgive you afterwards. Mm -hmm. So, you you need His grace. He is the King. His word is authoritative over your life. Don't believe anymore this lie that somehow... Your choice is beyond the moral authority of God's word.
3: Hmm. Yeah, Amen. Don't
2: believe that. Come to Christ, where there is life, come to the king, and, and guess what else? You will be a part of his kingdom. You'll be transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and he will restore to you what it means to truly be human. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, will, he will show you what it means to be truly a, a woman.
3: Mm.
2: And men, if there's any men listening, he will, he will restore you. If you allowed this to happen hmm. to your woman, or a woman that you know, and you didn't intervene as God commanded you to, hmm. He will restore you. He will reconcile you to His Son, He will make you more of a man, and ladies, He will make you more um, of a woman. Hmm. He will He will give you that a uh, love for children, He will nurture that within you so that you come to love His law, love His standards, and most of all, love Him.
3: Hmm. Yeah.
2: And be reconciled to Him and, and have peace with God, yeah. and, and that's the gospel: is that Jesus died, He rose again, He's ascended now as King, and He commands you to come to Him. His His claim over you is total. Mm-hmm. So turn from your sin, come to Christ, and live.
0: Amen. And thank you for thank you for sharing that, Zach. I think it's so critical that yes. to realize that the gospel message is for everybody. You know, we're talking about specifically abortion today, but. Uh, all of us are sinners in need of that good news of salvation. And so we're not trying to say that... uh, you know, we're we're not trying to highlight abortion because we believe that that's the uh, that's the sin that's going to send you to hell. Every sin will send us to hell yes. outside of Christ. Right. So we all need that good news, and uh, I just appreciate that. I, the 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 grace and the mercy that's found in Jesus Christ is the only thing that gives us hope, and so we praise yes. we praise Jesus for that.
1: Amen, brother. Amen, amen. All right, Zach. well, will work in our fellow listeners and, and find you guys. Uh, end abortion now. Where can they go to?
2: Yeah, they can go to endabortionnow.com. dot uh, com. That's where you can re- That's where you can register your church and sign up there, and you'll get connected with me, and you'll get um, the free training and resources. All of that's for free as long as you have your church behind you. Um, you can watch and learn a little bit more about us on the website. You can also mm. also find us end abortion now on Facebook there. Um, And yeah, that's how you get connected with us and become a part of this movement that is um, addressing this great evil in our day with the scriptures, as a Christian, with the gospel
1: at your feet. Awesome, awesome. That's great. All right, everybody. Well, that wraps up this podcast. Uh, Stay tuned for next week. We got Michael Whitmer joining us. Uh, He's going to be talking about his book, Worldly Saints, and the week after that. We got Phil Johnson coming in. See me talk about cessationism, and uh, I'm pretty excited about that. I know you are. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, what's your only comfort in life and death that I am not my own, but belong body and soul, and in life and death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And we will see you on the next one. See you later.
0: See you later.